and 2005 UTC right after the international news. Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the June 3rd edition of the sunny side of sports. The Boston Celtics beat the host Golden State Warriors 120-108 to on Thursday night in Game 1 of the Best of 7 National Basketball Association Finals. The AP's Ryan Leong reports from San Francisco, California. The Celtics down by 15 points in the third quarter came back to stun the Warriors 120-108. Boston outscored Golden State 40-16 in the fourth quarter using a 17-0 run, making 9 of 12 three-pointers. Veteran Al Horford scored 11 of his 26 points in the fourth. For us, it was just, you know, just continue to, to, to play no matter what. Um, and, and our guys, that's what we did. Um, you know, it wasn't our best game, uh, but we, you know, we continue to fight and, and find different ways to, you know, to get this win. Jalen Brown added 24 points. I feel like if you put the ball in my hands more often than not, I'm going to put ourselves in a good position to win. And, and tonight I got going in the fourth quarter and uh, I made some really great reads and we was able to go on a run and help us come back to win the game. And Derek White had 21. The road is the time where it's just us. Um, we come together as a group. Um, we know it's just us versus versus them in, in their arena. So we enjoy playing on the road. Um, I mean, it's a tough place to play and a uh, big game one. And we just got to be a little greedy and try to get this game too. In the loss, Stephen Curry scored 21 of his 34 points in the first quarter. Ryan Leong, San Francisco. Thanks, Ryan. Celtics head coach Ime Udoka says his players were able to contain Steph Curry after he scored 21 points in the first quarter. It seemed to wear him down a little bit, you know, but we pride ourselves on guys having to beat us one-on-one all, all night. And although he had 34, you know, only had 13 after the first quarter so did a decent job after that the celtics made 21 of 41 shots from three-point range and warriors head coach steve kerr praised their long-range shooting give them credit i mean they made 21 threes um you know they were moving the ball really well and uh, they they had us on our heels. They made a, a good push, you know, to start the fourth, and they kept that momentum going. The Golden State Warriors will host the Boston Celtics again on Sunday evening when Game 2 of the NBA Finals is played in San Francisco, California. Meanwhile, the NBA and FIBA, the International Basketball Federation, are partnering in support of the new Men's Basketball Africa League, or BAL. U.S. Monastir of Tunisia was crowned the 2022 BAL champion after defeating Petro de Luanda of Angola in the final 83-72 on May 28th in Kigali, Rwanda. Before the final, I had a chance to chat with Brian Kurunji, general manager of the Kigali-based Patriots Basketball Club, and Rotimi Akindele, a sportscaster for Nigeria's The Beat FM. And our conversation began with me asking Brian for his thoughts on BAL Season 2. I think uh, the second season is definitely a lot better than the first one. 
Uh, the reason being that uh, it was a first time for everybody. We are learning, we've professionalized our clubs, uh, we're getting qu better quality players, the organizers, whether the hosts or, or those that are organizing the clubs are getting better. So I think season two has seen a lot more talent, a lot more... I don't know if I can call it uh, a better version of what we had last year. And I, I think I look forward to a better three, season three, where I think Petrus will be playing. Rotimi, it, in season one, uh, we, we basically had a compressed two-week schedule right here in Kigali. Yeah. This time around, they changed the format. They, uh, they started out in Dakar, Senegal. Then they moved, they being the ball organizers, to uh, Cairo, Egypt. And now we're back here again in Kigali. Uh, what's your sense on the new format? Uh, well, um, I mean, it's pretty good. Uh, so it looks like, uh, for the records, we will be in Kigali for the next three seasons, uh, for the finals at least. And then uh, the fact that part of the uh, dream or part of the plan was to move the games around Africa. Um, last year, we couldn't do it like you mentioned. We had a bubble uh, kind of event last year. So this year, there's been more opening. There's been more exposure. Uh, went to Dakar first, like you mentioned, at the beautiful Dakar Arena. And, of course, the one in Cairo as well. And then you had the conferences, Sahara. Uh, you had the Nile Conference, and they had the Sahara Conference. So it was pretty good. Uh, I mean, for the teams, when you know you're playing across Africa, but there's a bigger target, which is the BAL Finals, looking forward to in Kigali. So I think that has given the tournament or the competition a lot more vibrancy mm. across the African continent. And uh, just like Brand mentioned, season two is definitely or is definitely better than what we saw in the first season. Yeah, Brian, I, I kind of felt there was more progression uh, this time around that, you know, as Rotimi said, there was, there was excitement as we headed towards Kigali. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Kigali as a host? I mean, I think, uh, one, we are, we are very good hosts. We, we, we love to, to host. We, we're trying to make Rwanda capital for, for sports in, on the continent. Uh, you can see what the government is doing with the facilities, uh, development. We have a beautiful uh, arena where you know, I could be anywhere in Miami. I could be in New York and, and play at that level. We're giving our you know, youth a chance to play at that level. So naturally, they, 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 you know, they sh get up and, and, and uh, get better. Uh, so Kigali is always going to be a good place to, to have, uh, you know, basketball events like this and many other sporting events. But for me, you know, basketball being played at that level and being hosted in Rwanda is, I think, amazing. It's a dream of mine. I, shouldn't, I didn't play at that level. But uh, now that my children and my, you know, people around me are being uh, given a chance to play at that level, I think it's, it's all Rwanda can give. Rotimi, what's your sense? Will more African cities get a chance to host the Basketball Africa League um, not necessarily the finals, but stages of the competition down the road. Definitely. Uh, of course, uh, I mean, everyone has seen what Rwanda can do. Uh, so this is a stand. It's like a yardstick for you to meet up and want to host the BAL. You've got to provide what is on ground. They've got from good hotels to good road networks uh, to good security uh, to the facilities you have on ground. If you don't have all those um, are present in your country, I mean, you wouldn't get a chance to host the BAL. And fortunately... Um, it was about four or five cities were mentioned before this year's uh, calendar was also adjusted. Lagos was mentioned. You've got Joburg in South Africa. Uh, you've, got, um, uh, you've got Rwanda. You've got Dakar. You've got Cairo. Uh, there's a big arena in Morocco as well who was touted you know, to be part of this one. The Tunisians are also looking forward you know, to hosting the BL. So I think at some point, uh, maybe after the three-year deal um, elapses for the finals, we'll get a lot more cities wanting to bump in and host. But in terms of road to BAL, 
Uh, of course, more cities would definitely go around and jump in on, on, on Austin this one. So it's a good, it's a win-win situation for the organizers, win-win situation for the African continent. Like I said, Rwanda has set a yardstick for every other African countries. If you want to host, then you got to beat us. Brian, that yardstick that uh, uh, Rotimi just mentioned, wh what are some of the new elements that FIBA and the NBA have brought to the Basketball Africa League uh, in season two? I think uh, the level of professionalism has, you know, gone higher. Clubs ourselves have got to to catch up. Like I told you earlier on, Patriots has got to, you know, went through a whole restructuring process. We have a new president, we have a GM, we have a CEO. So, you know, this has brought a certain level of professionalism that uh, we didn't have before. But also the level of play. I mean, uh, our local talents have gone, you know, have shot up themselves. So the imports come and find good quality on ground. So I think uh, what they keep bringing is, uh, you know, raising the quality and, and expectations. And uh, all other clubs in the local league have got no way but to, you know, to beef up so they can actually vie for, for the one sport that every country has. So naturally, we are all getting better at, uh, at uh, what we're doing in the, in the game of basketball. And that's all to the efforts of uh, BL and, and FIBA Africa. Just to add to what um, Brian said, so you look at some of these countries, uh, for instance, Reg, the red team had to go to, the red team had to go to Turkey to, to, to prepare, yeah. you know, to play in the BL. I mean, it's not... Um, Maybe what we used to, what we were used to back then, FIBA Africa Club Championships and all. You want to win, some. but this time around, just because you know the level that you're coming to compete in, you've got to also match up, and that's why uh, we've seen teams fighting, jostling for that one sport. Like I mentioned off of the air, Zamalek are pretty pained now because they wouldn't be in the third season, just because they didn't, they couldn't win their championship, you know, uh, and so Zamalek won't be here next season, yeah, and all of that. So. You've got Nigerians, for, for instance, the Rufus were here last year. Mm -hmm. They couldn't come here. Some of the players are still buzzing and like, we are sad that we can. So it's, a, it's that sort of um, competition that every country wants to be a part of just because you've seen what they can deliver. Rotimi Akindele is a Nigerian sportscaster, and I'm joined by Brian Karunji, general manager of Rwanda's Patriots Basketball Club. Brian, uh, this year we had 12 teams in the Basketball Africa League Season 2. Looking down the road, say, two or three years, do you see this becoming maybe uh, a continent-wide competition? How, how many teams do you think uh, can participate in the Basketball Africa League? I think in my view, we should uh, have more teams, probably up to about 20 teams. But what I would love to see more is uh, actually getting into franchise sort of business where... Uh, I don't have to play this year and I don't play next year because people put in a lot of resources to get ready for, for, for the seasons. So the only way those, uh, the resources can be maximized is if I know I'm going to stay in this league for, for a very long time. So if we can get like maybe 20 strong franchises in, you know, from different countries, that would probably be a good way to, to, to ensure that we keep actually building on what we, we did the previous seasons. So as it is now, when a team drops off, you, know, you sort of lose the momentum. By the time you, re, you know, regear to actually come and play again in the third season, it's, you know, so I, I'd love to see, I mean, a lot more teams, but I also see strong franchises being formed as a result of what is trying to, to achieve on the continent. At the opening news conference, Rotimi, uh, for this uh, phase of the Basketball Africa League, uh, Rwanda's female sports minister made some comments. Uh, the Basketball Africa League, uh, very committed to gender equity. Uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, say, seeing female referees out on the court during these Basketball Africa League games, as well as coaches like Liz Mills uh, for A.S. Saleh? 
Oh, but brilliant stuff. Uh, brilliant move by everyone involved. Uh, I mean, uh, like I, I spoke with the FIBA president just some days ago, and one of the things he said was uh, the partnership has come to help us develop the game. So not just the players or just building facilities, even the coaches, even the referees are all learning from uh, whatever quality that we're experiencing now in the BL. So I'm pretty excited. I mean, it's not about, oh, because it's an International Women's Day somewhere, you want female referees to be involved in the game. It's all about development, and there's a conscious effort, you know, by the organizers, by FIBA, by NBA, uh, by the BAL team, just to ensure that everybody develops across board. So it's not like the men are going first. It's, there's that balance, and that's why we've seen women's referees, male referees, um, you know, developing together and learning um, the, the, the basics of learning how to improve themselves. There was a coaching course just some two days ago. It's for everybody. It wasn't restricted to, oh, if you're only FIBA qualified referees and all. It was open for everybody. So I think these are some of the developments we will get to see mm -hmm. um, as the BAL competition uh, progresses, you know, on the continent. During the semifinals, uh, there were some uh, slack players uh, sitting uh, right next to me, and I didn't recognize them at first. But Mbaye, their point guard, was, uh, was sitting there, and uh, he was joking around with the mascot, Baba. Baba the mascot. And uh, Mbaye, part of that ball elevate program uh, in which uh, the Basketball Africa League assigned 12 NBA Academy uh, players to... Uh, each of the each of the twelve ball teams, and uh, wh what's your take, Brian, on, on that ball elevate program? I, I think we've seen it work in the U.S. You know where you get uh, young guys coming out of college at 18, 17, or 19, getting into the NBA or going for the draft, and they actually do well. So what what's happening here is uh, these uh, you know young people are given a chance to actually you know interact with the, with the top talent, whether in the on, you know, the dinner tables, whether it's in their locker rooms, in their hotel rooms at night, just to appreciate what it means to be a professional at that level. Just leave alone what happens on the court, but even the off court things, just hanging out with these guys you know elevates your game or grows you as a man or as, as a sports person so i think it's a great great program and uh we want to see a lot more of that I, we hope that we can get a lot more young people actually playing at that level because at the end of the day it's really for the young people it's really for them to try and test their their, their skills in you know in bigger leagues or or in other markets and still come back and really uh, provide a good product for the african continent so i really love the the program and i want to see a lot more of that that's brian karunji general manager of the Kigali-based Patriots Basketball Club, and Rotimi Akindele, a sportscaster for Nigeria's The BFM, joined us for that Basketball Africa League conversation. And Brian and Rotimi spoke with me in Kigali, Rwanda. I'm VOA Sonny Young, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. And to all our VOA listeners, please note we've moved our programs to voaafrica.com. There you will find your favorite TV and radio programs, including the sunny side of sports and a whole lot more. Find us on voaafrica.com. This is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up. 
Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Thanks, Heather. Samson Omale joins us now with another spicy package of African sports news. Sporty Friday greetings, Samson. Sporty Friday greetings to you too, Sunny. We begin the wrap of Africa sports highlight in Nigeria, where the world governing body for basketball, FIBA, has replaced Nigeria's female basketball team, the Detagris, with Mali for the FIBA Women's Basketball World Cup 2022, set to be played in Australia in September and October. Nigeria was disqualified after President Muhammadu Buhari suspended the country from participating in all international basketball competitions and activities for a period of two years. The government withdrawal from all international basketball came after a protracted leadership crisis at the Nigerian Basketball Federation. Dr. Livinus Miankwab heads the Basketball Association in Plateau State, Nigeria. He blamed FIBA for fueling the leadership crisis at the Nigerian Basketball Federation. If you look at the whole thing critically, FIBA has been part of the problems of Nigerian basketball. There were two elections and uh, immediately after that, FIBA was contacted. It became so obvious that they were not just interested. But, 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 but you don't think that um, is efforts in futility after the girls were made to go through the whole of the qualifiers, even from the Afro basket, and this time around, they will not be featuring at the World Cup? No, but the issue is that if you have been following the trend of events, the girls have said repeatedly that if Musakida will be the MBBA president, they will not participate. Even the boys have written and signed that if Musagida is the MBBA president, they will not participate. So who is deceiving who? So at the end of the day, who is going to represent the country? If the same girls that you're talking about have said they will not play under him, and FIBA is saying, no, it has to be him. Mm-hmm. You understand? Who is FIBA? How many, how many federations do we have? Basketball is just one. They can't hold us to ransom. From basketball to football, the 2023 African Cup of Nations qualifying marches will continue across various venues on the continent this weekend. On Thursday, only two marches were played after the scheduled clash between Egypt and Guinea was shifted to Sunday. However, the headline result for Thursday saw Tunisia leapfrog Libya, who defeated Botswana 1-0 on Wednesday to the top of Group J on goal difference after a 4-0 home win over 10-man Equatorial Guinea at the Olympic Stadium in rates in the late kick-off. The early evening game at the FNB Stadium in Johannesburg, South Africa saw Mozambique open their Group L campaign with a 1-1 draw at home to Rwanda. The Amavubi of Rwanda coach Carlos Alos said he would have preferred to have earned maximum points from the fixture. I'm very happy with, with the commitment of the players. They, they, they do what they want, so I cannot uh, complain nothing from them. I'm very happy. Just that uh, we, we had the, our situations uh, when, the, when the game came to us in 1-0. I have to be a little bit more focused because uh, we was all the game very concentrated and, and after they scored the goal in two minutes, one small detail, we, we lose... We lose a goal and, and finally we draw, but in general I just can say good things for, for my players. 
The African qualifiers will continue on Friday the 3rd of June with four marches. Lesotho will travel to Comoros, while Togo will host Eswatini. Burkina Faso will play host to Cape Verde, while it will be a meeting of two former African champions when Ivory Coast hosts Zambia in Yamasukro. Chipolopolo of Zambia coach Alijosa Asanovic is positive his side can take some good results out of Cote d'Ivoire. We are playing against uh, very good teams, very strong team, uh, very, very organized team. Uh, we good players who are playing big clubs, but uh, I'm, so, I'm so positive about, uh, about my players. We are prepared very well and uh, we are focused and uh, we are coming very strong. In women's football, eight national teams from Uganda, Burundi, Djibouti, Ethiopia, South Sudan, Tanzania, Rwanda, and Zanzibar are participating in this year's SECAFA, the Council for East and Central Africa Football Association Women's Championship, also called the Women's Challenge Cup. Defending champions Kenya, who beat Tanzania 2-0 in 2019, is not participating due to an ongoing ban imposed on them by FIFA. Action returns to Group A on Friday with Uganda facing Djibouti, while Rwanda will be up against neighbors Burundi. On Thursday, Ethiopia thrashed Zanzibar 5-0 before Tanzania overcame South Sudan 2-0. Shilin Boisen, coach of the South Sudanese side, said despite their loss, her girls gave a good account of themselves. I think it was unfortunate that we conceded the goal when we did. But, I mean, the second goal was just, you know, like one of our defenders are off the field. You're always going to struggle with it. But I think it was a good game. I think Tanzania played well. I think my goals couldn't have given any more. I'm very proud of them. Coach of Tanzania, Oscar Mariambo, said his side played against a tough opposition. When you play against a little bit strong opponent than you, then you must come with a very good solution. And they had a very good solution, you know, uh, playing behind the ball all the time, which made things very difficult to our girls. In the opening game of the tournament, host the Crested Cranes of Uganda beat Rwanda 2-0. A result coach Lutalo, coach of the Crested Cranes, is pleased with. Today's performance has been good and we are trying to, to gain the real momentum. So the more we keep playing good football, we shall be able to raise a strong team that will compete properly in the coming Africa Cup of Nations tournament. Both teams have been playing good football and uh, we hope to have more good games and we wish everybody the best and we, we encourage everybody to come and support us, the Crested Crane. From football news now to athletics, Namibian sprinters Christian Umboma and Beatrice Masilingi will not compete in the upcoming Africa Senior Athletics Championships in Mauritius due to their injuries, according to their coach Hank Botha. Olympic silver medalist Masilingi first suffered a hamstring injury during the women's 100 meters at the Gaborone International Meet in Botswana on April the 30th. Mboma's problem wasn't in Kenya last month during the Kipkino Classic when she suffered a tear in the upper thigh. Mboma had in March set a national record of 11.15 seconds in the women's 100 meters in the World Athletics Continental Tour in Bloemfontein, South Africa. Coach Botha says the Africa Senior Athletics Championship scheduled to begin on the 8th of June. It's so close and the two 19-year-olds will not have recovered well enough. Big disappointment uh, of the two girls not going to the African Games because I thought it would have been an excellent um, preparation phase for them for World Championships as well as uh, the Commonwealth later this year. 
But that is the way sport is and that is the way life is. Not everything is, is the way we want it. Um, obviously, uh, that that is a big setback for our planning, but I'm sure we can work around it and prepare around it and make sure that the girls will be ready to perform 110% at the World Champs. And finally, in squash news, the maiden edition of the Champion Challenge Squash Tournament will end on Saturday, June the 4th in Lagos, Nigeria. The tournament has the top eight Nigerian players in the domestic circuit participating based on their rankings by the Nigerian Squash Federation. Tournament director Yusuf Durosilorum says the aim of the tournament is to, among other things, improve the ranking status of Nigeria's top squash players. Thank you, Samson Omale. From squash to pickleball, it's one of the fastest growing sports here in the United States, as we hear now from my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. Despite its funny name, pickleball is reportedly the fastest growing sport in the United States. And the number of Americans who play the game has doubled to more than 4 million in the past five years. Sonny Tannen is a pickleball coach and USA ambassador for the sport. He explains to Reuters News why pickleball is experiencing a boom in the U.S. and across the globe. Pickleball, basically, the number one thing about it, it's probably the most fun and social sport that you can ever play. It's the one rare sport that you can have every age, every generation, every background, ethnicity. It doesn't matter where you come, walk of life, pick up this sport, and you can be just have a, you can have a good time at it. You can be good, or you can just be a recreational player. Uh, so I think where's the sport going? think the more people that start to pick it up and the more that you start to share it with your friends i think more and more people are going to start playing it pickleball was invented in the united states in 1965 by the fathers of three household families who named the game after a family dog pickles the game is played with a paddle and a plastic ball with holes and is a cross between ping pong tennis and badminton Four pickleball courts can fit in the space of one tennis court, and beginners can quickly learn how to call the shots. And devotees like 26-year-old William Shin, 70-year-old Gary Lieberman, 53-year-old Marnie Brown, and 54-year-old Cheryl Sun say pickleball is more than just a sport. It's a lifestyle. You know, I told myself, you know, I'm going to first start out with pickleball, and then I'll transition back to tennis since I since I haven't played tennis for such a long time. But, you know, ever since then, I've only stuck with pickleball and I've completely ditched tennis. I am a golfer, but uh, but I sometimes now make make excuses why I can't make it to the golf course because I don't want to miss a, a day of pickleball. I play almost every day. I found a community here and started playing and it was um, kept me from day drinking. So it was a really fun community and I've met so many interesting people and every day I play I meet somebody new and I feel like it's been a, a just a really special part of my life now. Well, when I play I feel like I'm on vacation. That's really what it is. <laughs> yeah. It is my vacation every day.
Older players are also attracted to pickleball because it's easy on the body. But the sport has garnered interest among young athletes, too. 23-year-old Ben Johns is a professional pickleball player who is ranked number one in the world. And he says those who come to play are from all ages and backgrounds. Uh, you know, I think more than anything, it's going to be known in the future as kind of the sport for anybody and everybody. Uh, I've just seen so many different types of demographics play. It doesn't matter what your age is, guy, girl, what you do, your sport background, no sport background. Pretty much anybody can go out there and have fun immediately and, and play with each other on, like, same even ground, basically. So it's the first sport I've seen, whereas it's not just a spectator sport like football or something like that. It's something that everybody wants to play, and they want to watch it because they love playing it. According to USA Pickleball, the country is struggling to keep up with high demand. So as the sport continues to gain momentum, Sonny Tannen says he won't be surprised if pickleball one day surpasses tennis in popularity. It's not a pressure to compete at the level of tennis and you have to go become a superstar. Pickleball is very much about community and social. So do I see it overtaking tennis? I think it's just another racket sport that's out there and yeah, maybe in popularity, it will take over tennis at some point. But remember, it comes back to business also. Is it the business of driving revenue or is it the business of finding something that you can do that gives you, you know, hope and inspiration and enjoyment basically to play this sport? And I think that's what pickleball is. Pickleball is also growing as a spectator sport that's increasingly attracting corporate sponsorship. There are currently two professional pickleball tournaments in the United States. And as international participation grows, organizers plan to bid for the sport's inclusion in a future Olympic Games. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uden. And that wraps up the June 3rd edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Have a nice weekend, everyone. And that's the sunny side of sports. I get it.